I'm Lou Bank. And I'm Quetzalcoatl. And this is almost Agave Road Trip. What do you mean almost? Well, it can't be Agave Road Trip until Chava gets in the car. Sure, I get that. But he's always at least a bit late, right? That's why he asked me to fill in. I'm everywhere. All at once. Yeah, that. But we also can't start our Agave Road Trip until we fill the tank. You mean pay the bills? Right. We've got to run the commercials that help us pay for these agave road trips. Wait, people actually pay for you to advertise their products? They do. In fact, here's one now. Jimmy Carbone, Arik Torn, and Danny Mena are obsessed. Obsessed with food and obsessed with alcohol. Now, if you were their doctors, that might concern you. But if you are an enthusiast of the Mexican stew known as pozole or agave spirits like mezcal, tequila, and ricea, then your sole concern should be getting a ticket to Bowl of Zole, the festival that came out of their obsession. Bowl of Zole, the festival of pozole and mezcal, will take place on Saturday, October 23rd, In Brooklyn, there will be 10 pozoles by 10 chefs, including Fanny Gerson, the candy queen. How sweet is that? And there will be more than 50 agave spirits, so you'll definitely want to coat your stomach with all those pozoles. And hey, Chava and I will be there too. What will we be doing? Well, of course, we'll be tasting all the pozoles and destilados with you, but we'll also be live streaming interviews with the chefs and the brands. But you'll also want to look for us at our table, where we'll be offering free samples of the new Cafe Mescalero Coffee Gold. It's a coffee conditioned with Cruz de Fuego Mezcal made by our friends at Dark Matter. So, go get your tickets for Bowl of Zole at bowlofzole.com. That's B-O-W-L-O-F. Yeah, that's the easy part. Then... Z-O-L-E dot com. Yeah. B-O-W-L-O-F-Z-O-L-E dot com. We hope to see you there October 23rd. And if you can't make it, we hope to see you that same day on the Agave Road Trip Facebook page or Instagram page for our live stream interviews. It'll be exciting to see if Chava can channel his inner Harry Carey for the seventh inning Pozole stretch. Catch you at Bowl of Zole. Get your tickets now at bowlofzole.com. I am Lou Bank. And I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, what's happening today, Lou? What is happening today, Chava? Today is our On the Media episode of Agave Road Trip. On the Media? Yeah, you don't oh. you don't listen to On the Media, do you? Uh, I it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite radio shows. Also called podcasts, I believe. <laughs> so what I want to do is break into the a few of these stories that have been running lately in the media about <laughs> mezcal and tequila because they're um they're they're bugging me. Uh, you mean in in terms that they're usually expressed as a versus thing? Because if you Google mezcal versus tequila, 
you get almost like if they were big boxer contendants, you know? Like, I don't know which was the biggest opponent of Mike Tyson, <laughs> but it's like Mike Tyson versus Muhammad Ali or something like that. I Actually, I, I'd li- I wish it were that. No, it's these articles. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of them that are talking about celebrity tequila and a lot of them talking about the environmental impact of mezcal, mm. um, you know, and, and I think that that all of that is worth talking about. But I am finding that that either the stories that I'm reading are factually inaccurate or – Yes, that, that is very annoying actually because even for us, sometimes we're doing research and we want just a simple number. Like w- sales worth of mezcal in 2019, it's not always very simple to find them. If you're following some of well, this, you know, that that I'll you know what that I'll forgive them for because you know people will play with numbers, but okay. it's like there was this story in uh, an, on Latino USA, another radio show I like to listen to. Uh, there was a story on there uh, about the um, the environmental impact that mezcal is having, and there are so many factual errors in it mm. in Latino USA, done by a, a reporter, a journalist who lives in Oaxaca. Uh, um, well, yes, but okay. There, there's many ways to live in Oaxaca. You know, you can live in the city of Oaxaca <laughs> yes. and you're uh, 200 years away from living in the rural areas of Oaxaca. So just being from a place doesn't give you a lot of accuracy. Right. But, you know, but but one of the things that she says is you can't farm most, most agaves, only espadine. Well, <laughs> you know, it's also what people tell them. Like these, we've been told this by a bunch of mezcaleros. Well, okay, but you know what? I like... I'll accept that. You know what? Hang on. I will accept that from a bunch of dudes going down <laughs> to drink. I don't accept that from a journalist whose job it is okay. to interview botanists if they're going to talk about plants. Okay. You know, like it's it's one of my great frustrations. And these are important stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Every story is an important story to tell. But, you know, these and I don't think I'm just saying it's an important story to tell because we care so much about it. I think it's important stuff. And I think saying the wrong thing can cause consumers to do the wrong thing. You know, part of that Latino USA story is at the end of it, the summary is read the label so that you know what you're buying so that you don't buy the wrong mezcal. And yet nowhere in the piece do they ever explain what you should look for on the label to ensure to ensure that you're getting a mezcal that does not negatively impact the environment. And hey, by the way, that information doesn't exist on any label. Okay, okay, okay. But the title of this episode Can you feel me? Is... Can you feel me boiling over? Is it yeah, can you yes, feel it? Yes, yes, it's like I, I, I want to slow it down a little bit. I, I want to take deep breath and let's get back to track. The objective of this episode is talk about how we we're at this time and moment we have this bion bion I cannot pronounce this this word bion bionum two things that are related together closely <laughs> uh, which is tequila and mezcal and the way people are speaking about mezcal it's influencing how we understand tequila and the way people are talking about tequila it's influencing how we understand mezcal. I think that's that's sort of the objective of this episode, right? Well, I think that is an objective of this episode. But again, since we're focused so much on gringo bartenders. Yes. You know, I got to say that I hear from gringo bartenders so often where they'll ask me, okay, so which mezcal is it safe to buy? Safe? And 
Yeah, which one? Like, I, I don't want to buy the one that's that's damaging the environment or is ah, bad okay, to okay, the okay, people okay. who make it. And I think that these articles from institutions that are highly regarded. I mean, Latino USA that's that's airs on on NPR here, National Public Radio, and there's mm. you know story in the L.A. Times that I'm looking at here, story in L. There are these stories that are in places um, that are published by by. Um, published by media that is widely regarded as accurate and mm. factual and important. And I'm worried that these sources are pointing gringo bartenders in particular in the wrong directions. Oof. But so that's what I want this episode to be about. Java. Well, Lube, this sounds like a daunting thing to talk a, to talk about, B, to really give options, because, I mean, wh what you're talking about, it's one of the biggest problems that we are facing today as humanity, which means, which is a uh, lack of accurate, accurate information on our, at our fingertips. That's, I believe, one of <laughs> which, the... Which is so ironic, because right now we have every piece of information available at our fingertips exactly right? but but that's again yeah. and, and that's why it's it's i be, i really believe one of the most daunting problems we are facing as as, as the group of humans that decided to live in in this well we didn't decide to live in this planet earth but we were thrown into this planet <laughs> earth and and we're we're facing that and to be extremely honest you know back in the day when there were encyclopedias printed encyclopedias and back in the day yes that would be my day java well it was my day too it was one of my most prized uh objects that i had as a child were these printed encyclopedias and in a way that was the cure and and then when the encyclopedia britannica like the british encyclopedia became digital i don't know if you remember that one but they they used to sell this these CDs with the British Encyclopedia Britannica was like one of the go-tos. Yes. Exactly. And then they started updating that, but there were slow updates and they were accurate updates in this encyclopedia. So you will, you know, like when Pluto stopped being a planet, you will go to the Encyclopedia Britannica and they will say like, hey guys, update. Pluto is not a planet anymore. And right. that has been drastically abandoned because we want quick answers to specific questions. And that's not how encyclopedias nor academic journals work. They, you need to do a lot of homework to answer one small question. Like, what was happening to you today? You were asking me about oxygen and venuses. And what, you were just trying. <laughs> that was uh, venuses. We'll venuses, say. yeah. I don't want anyone think I'm asking you about penises. Yeah, yeah. So you were asking yeah, okay. me something extremely specific and you want a quick answer that takes a few weeks of research to understand the question itself. Sure. I, I think that's part of the problem that both journalists and consumers are forced to either produce media at a very high pace and consume media at a very high pace. And therefore, like no journalist can spend three weeks doing research to answer very few simple questions. Well, I, I don't even think you need to do a few weeks worth of research. You know, one of my great frustrations with journalism in general is that most journalists don't study math. 
And so many ways that they could correct their errors are buried within what they've written. So, for instance, Chava, if we look at this L.A. Times article that ran back in August of 2021, August 17, 2021, uh, the title of which was something like Celebrity Tequila History from Michael Jordan to the Rock, right? Mm -hmm. They got a quote in there. Quote is, the flood of celebrity brands has helped fuel record growth in the industry. Mexico, the source of all tequila, last year produced 60 million gallons, 800% more than two decades ago. The flood of celebrity brands has helped fuel record growth. That's nonsense. It's just nonsense. Hmm. Now, all you got to do is go to the CRT website, and they clearly did that if they know it's 800% more. And you can put – and I'll put this on our, our website. Um, you can you can print out a chart that shows you what the growth has been mm. over the last uh, 26 years. Yes. Forget about two decades. 26 years, right? And if you look at that, you'll see that, in fact, all you got to do is draw a line at June 2017. You know I did this. (laughs) Yes, of course I know you did it. It looks good, too. It does. It looks good. Draw a line at June of 2017 when uh, when George Clooney sold Casamigos. Yeah. Right? Which is when everybody claims that, oh, this is when things started happening. Oh, no, no. This is – the world is ending now for tequila. (laughs) If you draw that line there and you look at it, in fact, what you'll see are two interesting things. One, the trajectory before he sold it continues basically apace at where it was until we hit the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Okay, where like, okay, you you can't blame celebrities for the pandemic, number one. (laughs) Number two, the other thing you'll notice is the line for how much mixto tequila, the tequila that is not 100% agave, where at least 49% of the sugars can come, I'm sorry, where as much as 49% of the sugars can come from some alternative sugar source, is relatively stable. Mm. And which is the... Over the over the 26 years. Okay. So, you know, so what does that tell me? Well, if if I guess there are different ways to interpret numbers, that's fair. But when I look at that, my interpretation is... More people are paying more money for tequila than they were. Yes. Do you think that a lot of this has to do with just a shock value on on titles of articles? I mean, we do that sometimes. We try to do clickbait. Oh, in fact, yeah. the, the title of this episode, All Tequila Used to Be Mezcal, But Now Mezcal Is Becoming Tequila, is very much meant to do exactly that. Yeah, it's alcohol. I'm fine with it. I'm like, I'm not, but I'm not complaining about the, the title, am I? No, you're not. You're I'm complete. About the this is very inside. specifically the misleading content. The misleading content. And, you know, and I think, and I, I yeah. and obviously by the time this episode airs, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a secret. Well, actually, if it is, then I guess I'm blowing the secret here. It's, you know, it's not a secret that Sacred is receiving money from Kendall Jenner, <laughs> right? From her 818 tequila. <gasps> so, sell out. And, you know, sell and, out. I, and, and, I, and I could tell you. And I know that right, and I and I know that in fact there are going to be calls of sellout, and there are going to be people who suggest that the reason I'm saying what I'm saying right here is because of that. But the truth is, we did an episode before before we had any contact with them, or knew they were going to reach out, and at which I said basically the same thing. But I'm going to say it again. What say it? Say it, the, Blue. The fact that the person who owns a brand of tequila or mezcal is a celebrity doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it bad. And in fact, I, I would say, I know you want to get a word in, but I'm not going to let no, you. No, no, no. I'm laughing. I'm just laughing. I would suggest that in fact, 
It makes it easier to make things better because it's really hard to hold accountable. Yes. Jose Cuervo. Who the heck is Jose Cuervo? Is Jose like if can I go and talk to Jose? Am I going to ruin his Q rating if you know, by by saying that he's uh, he's not doing things in the right way? Mm. But that is absolutely the case with celebrities. It's one person is a well, it's not always one person. But but there is a face to it and that face makes its living, their living, uh, by being known and recognized and appreciated. Yes. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, You're starting to make me think uh, about, I have this friend uh, whose father owns a a rather large company, and he used to make this example of how back in the day, Rockefeller, he, he was making, you know, oil. And he had to go and meet with the factory unions. He had to meet with the workers. There was a face to the owner, and it was a relationship with the workers that created a balance. Not about well, a balance. It's a, I think a very flattering word, but created. Well, but it but it created accountability. Account, yes, and where he where then he was saying that a lot of the tech companies of today they don't have union like. It's sort of happening again. They're like these movements are trying to to come back, but it's everything's so immaterial and so almost invisible that this accountability, this balance, has disappeared in the large companies of today. So it's it's interesting you put it like that because I, I do think there's there's a point about you know it's it's why Uber uh, it's one of the big sales points of Uber. You can ruin the reputation of the taxi driver. If they give you a bad service. (laughs) Right. Right. One guy on a bad night, whether you're talking the driver or the passenger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but, and it's, and it's interesting too, because that definitely talks about how, like the shock value that a lot of these articles are trying to portray. I think we, like, it's a very appealing story to to say celebrities are taking advantage of their fame and trying to sell you something that it's not worth the money. You're just buying it because it's attached to someone that that you perceive as beautiful or as famous. And that's like a very easy to sell point, a very to consume point. And it's almost gratifying. Uh, it's just like I, I <laughs> well, I, I think that's a good point. Journalists are looking for easy stories. Yeah. This is an easy story. But I think there's also an important story here. And one of the things that Latino USA touches on, and, and actually most of these stories touch on in one way or another, is the environmental damage, which is something that you and I talk about a lot. Yes, um, We are very cognizant of this environmental damage, but they rarely talk about it in any way that makes sense to me. <laughs> like, it's, it's so... So the environmental damage they discuss in Latino USA is they're running out of water in uh, Santiago Matatlan. And it's because 90% of the mezcal from Oaxaca comes from uh, uh, Matatlan and 90% of all the mezcal made in the country comes from Oaxaca. So, so, So they're saying that all of the water is going into the mezcal. In essence, and I think it misses the bigger issue of water problems in Mexico. And it would have been nice if they talked to somebody like Elias Catan, right, who knows about water problems in Mexico Mm -hmm. to put it into perspective. You know, I I think there are bigger issues in Matatlan than they're using water to make mezcal. Well, it's definitely water. It's an issue. But I think your point is it's being misrepresented. 
it's they're they're trying to say almost like if there was a Coca-Cola factory that it's draining all the water from the city and using yes. it for Coca-Cola when that's definitely not the case. It has to do more with pollution right. of the of the water. It has to do with exactly. with a number of other factors that that problematize this this resource. Right. Farming, there's so much more farming of agave. It has to do with like yeah, with the processing of the venasas, it like there's so many issues. Like, let's start talking about the wildlands. Where are the wildlands? How can you refill your aquifers if there's no wildlands? Well, and and trees. Why there are no trees around Matatlan? <sighs> okay, so here is another guess. Do you think that it literally is just because they are trying to create em- empathy in people the fastest way possible? So, you know, in a way, it's if you create parallelisms that are easy to read for people, where we all are very sensitive to the Coca-Cola destroying a community, like Coca-Cola factory destroying a community by draining all the water. So they're saying we can get into the weeds of the water issue, but let's just create empathy really fast by telling this story with a narrative that most people are really sensitive to. And that's a strategy. It's, it's an interesting theory. And I, you know, I obviously I can't possibly know the answer. Are they, are they consciously doing it to try to get people connected to a story and get them to do more investigation? Yeah. Um, but if they, if that is the case, why do you have so many factual errors? Like, I just don't, I, you know, like, why aren't you offering uh, links to some of these studies that you're talking about? It can be really easy to get people angry. It's really easy to get me angry, clearly. Just say something <laughs> wrong about agave. But it can be really easy to get um, uh, readers, listeners, um, uh, viewers worked up about something. Yes. But what's the, what's the end goal? And the end goal of journalism, if it's not to protect us, like what's the what's the purpose? Well, to inform us, to give us the facts. That's no, no, but to inform us and give us the facts. They didn't give us the facts. They didn't inform no, us. No, I know, I know. It's like it's got to be about protecting us in a way, like to, protection from the government and from the people. It's that it's that fourth wall. Well, that's a very that's a that's a very that's a very broad uh, understanding of it. But let's say yes. Let's let's say I believe you. So in that case, like if you're going to get people worked up. At least give them somewhere to go, <laughs> right? To get the real information, and they didn't do that. So, okay, so so let's let's figure out a way to wrap this up, Java. Okay, no, wrap it up, wrap it up. Okay, so there are all these articles. We'll we'll put links to them, and I'll I'm going to on the on the, on the episode page. I'll put links to the articles. And I'll put uh, I'll list more of my problems with those articles, just in case, <laughs> just in case I I know I like we didn't even get to talk. We didn't get to talk about the Rob report. Oh, oh, Lord. Okay. So I, you know, I, I, I but I, I think the, the, the end of message that I'd like gringo bartenders to walk away with is don't take journalism at face value on these things. I'm not saying that the media are liars. I don't want anybody hearing that. I'm not saying that all journalists are idiots. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is you need to engage with journalism at an intellectual level and think things through for yourself and don't trust their research, particularly when it comes to math, particularly when it comes to math. (laughs) Or just check the source. How about that? How about double check with us? If you have enough time, uh, which, you know, it's a limited resource to just try to check the source. It's very easy to know how serious a story is once you go to the sources they're using. 
And if the first source, it's almost like checking an Instagram account. If you see three bots in there, it's very probable 80% of the followers are bots. Check the first source that they quote in the in the article. And if it's dubious, most likely all of the other sources are going to be dubious. And the, the, the last thing I'll add to that is um, I love the fact that gringo bartenders want to do the right thing. I love the fact that they care so much about agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico that they don't want to screw it up. Um, but I would say that the likelihood that you can actually identify a brand that's doing everything right is slim wow. to none. We've been visiting Mexico for, well, you've been living there your entire life. <laughs> like I, I can't, I can't visually tell you, even the people that I love, I wouldn't claim that they're doing everything a hundred percent right. I wouldn't claim that I'm doing everything a hundred percent right. Um, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to hold your agave spirits to that standard, then I would say first hold your beer to that standard. If it's produced somewhere in the USA and you can go and check it out and figure out, is that being produced mm. in a sustainable manner? Take a look at all of the um, the mixers that you're using. Take a look at some of the, the bourbons that you're using. Are they being done that way? And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying ah, just none of this matters. I think all of it matters. Yeah. But I think, I think, you you need to pick and choose a few things that really do have an impact and then um, uh, focus on those things. Wow, Lou, I think this is the f- best conclusion you've ever given us. <laughs> that I'm going to shut up. <laughs> okay, adios. <laughs> okay, Java, I'll talk to you next episode. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound Engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme Song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.